amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid. So scared to do what I wanted In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made And I wish that I could talk to me And tell me I can change Don't be afraid Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is April 14th, 2015. Wow. Four years have passed since I have begun this radio show. I can't believe four years. And um, we have a young man that's going to call in any minute. Matt Miller is going to call in to 818-475-9211. And we're going to talk about bad situation that he had in a rehab and uh, how he finally got help. As I said, warning, this show is not for an atheist. Um, Matt is he's a young guy and he's a person of faith and um, he reached out to me through somebody else and I just decided to do this quick show. It's going to be a 30-minute show. I will be getting more more people on this as the weeks roll on and I uh, just want to talk about uh, the Injustice for All screening went really, really well. It was really a wonderful experience in a community that uh, it was really fantastic. And I think maybe I'll just do a show about the Injustice for All, but I really want to thank Daryl, who was in charge of the film festival. And the people that were there were very receptive. Um, I was uh, on a panel with three other AA members who are two hatters, if you don't know what that means, it means they're in AA mem- they're AA members for long- they, these were long-term AA members, but also have become professionals in the field doing different things. And there were other people in the audience. There was quite a mixed bag of uh, voices that got heard. And I think the, one of the things that we all felt uh, was really important that the people who AA does not work for, and there were people who they had family members that had been in and out and in and out of rehab and it didn't work. It's a lot of emotion. What else is there? What else is there for the families? 
because you know if, if the whole culture is kind of brainwashed by Al-Anon and that whole thing, then a lot of people are being misinformed about what works. And especially Lois Wilson had had very little really good advice, and she had no advice for parents. I mean, she was the wife of Phil Wilson who created it, and so it's all you know formed around that, which is a really bad idea for children. And you know, it's just that that whole part is there could be another whole story. So I I think I see him in the queue, and I'm going to bring him on. Hi, Matt. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. So I, you know, it's funny when I asked you for the link to your story, and then I was like, well, I never wrote one. I was like, oh, my goodness. So we have such a, I'm, I'm confused, but it's totally all right. We can have you, we, we did talk the other day about your bad experience in that one rehab. And, sure. uh, you know, so how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's actually kind of rainy here today, but it's it's still been a good day. Every day is a mm-hmm. good day. Good. Are you in Texas? I'm sorry? Are you in Texas? Tennessee. Oh, you're in Tennessee. That's right. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're in Tennessee, and uh, so let's start with, can we talk about, you know, a little bit about what brought you to the first, you know, what was going on with you with drugs or alcohol problematically? That brought you to a rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had went through some uh, some some very. I guess I guess what brought me into it in the first place it was just a social thing. You know, nobody goes into a a drug addiction that you know they're just like, oh, I'm going to get addicted to drugs. You know, it never happens that way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people just experiment. They play around. Uh, the first time I'd ever really been introduced to to anything was joining a fraternity. I started drinking a little bit. Uh, a lot of people go through it in high school a little bit. Um, they mm-hmm. start experimenting with marijuana and that kind of stuff. But for me, um, when I had started working at a uh, at a restaurant, um, you know, some drugs were around, and I kind of I liked the way they made me feel. But mm-hmm. it was more of a social thing and a work thing. It wasn't like I needed them to to get me through the day, so to right. speak. Um, right. And then I had went through a very traumatic, like, uh, depressing experience where. A a female had lied to me for five months about being pregnant with her child, or with my child. And, uh, yeah, it it was a very traumatic experience. It was very real to me. She was sending me, uh, she sent me ultrasound pictures. She would call me in the middle of the night and tell me that your son loves Oreos and he hates tacos and all this crazy stuff. And it turned out to be a complete lie. Mm -hmm. And that is when... I can actually see the point where it started into addiction for me because uh, right then is when it, it was like I needed opiates to function. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't function on my own without being numb, so to speak, to my emotions. Mm-hmm. And how old were you at this point? I was 22. Okay. And so can I ask what the, can I ask what the opiates? Now. Yeah, you're 27 now. Yes. Okay. Um, what are the opiates that you were using? Uh, in in the South, it's it's more or less pills than it is anything else. Uh, I was using Roxy's, which are it's a thirty thirty milligram oxycodone. That that was the uh, the form of stuff that was like my my choice back then. Hmm. This is a pain medication, right? Is oxycodone? I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's hurt a lot. Uh, and so you're going through this, and so you, this is what's being used. And so, how long did that go on for it, and what happened as a result of that? Um, you know, it, it took 
it took about a year and a half, maybe two years before things things really started to get to get bad. You know, I was getting scholarship money. I was working. I could maintain a job back then to where mm-hmm. I was I was self sufficient in the fact that I was you know I was paying for my habit. I True. had money. I had things that you know nobody really noticed as far as uh, it being socially unacceptable that I was that I was doing drugs back then because I was still a functioning member of society. Right, um, right. It took, it took about a year and a half, two years before um, my family kind of noticed that that I was going through some things that that weren't that weren't exactly you know kosher as far as so, uh, society is concerned. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I started, deta- you know, detaching from my family. There were times where I, you know, I had I had forged checks from my family. Mm-hmm. I had, mm-hmm. you know, stolen things from my family and sold them at pawn shops and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah, that's a problem, yeah. I had yeah. <laughs> started to, my, my, I mean, my habit, you know, my habit became more, it, I mean, it got out of hand. It, it really does. Like it gets out of hand so fast that you don't even realize it, and you don't have the money to pay for it. And when it comes to, I need to survive, and I need this to survive. Mm-hmm. You don't care what it takes to do that. You know, I I, I did whatever I, I could I could think of to get some money to where I could go pay for for what I needed to survive in my mind. Right, yeah, they're definitely stealing from your family and forging checks, so now you're, like, committing crimes and you're stealing from your family, which is, like, one of the worst things you could do. Now, at this point, were you a daily user and you were dependent? You feel dependent? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You were, yeah, and you're a daily... I didn't realize, too, how quick it becomes... uh, And with opiates, it's a lot different for each drug, and I've seen, you know, withdrawals from, from a couple of different kinds of drugs. Opiates are the... I mean, I, I think alcohol in my mind is is the absolute worst, but mm-hmm. I never I never had a uh, an issue with as far as withdrawals go. I mean, I would say I'm okay to drink or anything like yeah. that, but alcohol is never a thing for me. Um, opiates, the way they make you feel, I didn't realize that you could get sick. You know, when I first yeah. started doing opiates, I was like, oh, this is great, this is fun, you know. And then I had been doing them solid for about a month and a half, mm-hmm. and I I didn't have them for a couple of days and I didn't realize that you could, the, the sickness that you feel from not doing, it, I mean, it's like the worst flu that you've ever had in your life times like 10. And mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get out of bed, you can't function, you're sick to your stomach, you're, you know, all these things. And it's just that, that medicine. And, and, and the thing that a lot of people don't realize, you know, a lot of family members and a lot of, a lot of people will be like, well, why can't you just quit? Mm-hmm. You can't just quit. Like it, it doesn't work that way. It, it's not that easy. You, you need it because you don't feel normal anymore mm-hmm. without it. And uh, the sickness you feel from it is is unreal. I mean, I couldn't. There, there were times I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do anything unless I had that pill. And I knew that the the second I got that pill, it would take literally minutes to feel completely normal. And that's when it turns into addiction. You know, it's no more. I, I do this to get high. It's I do this to get normal. Yeah. Now the high the thing, becomes a normal thing. Right. 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 Um, I, I think that it's uh, the opiate withdrawal is not something that you die from, but it's just very uncomfortable. I mean, right. Yeah, yeah, but it, it can't necessarily kill you. There's there's so many people that I've heard that, that that can say, you know, oh, it can kill you. No, it can't. I mean, yeah, if you let yourself get dehydrated to the point that it kills you, maybe. 
But no, mm-hmm. it doesn't kill you, but you wish you were dead. Right, it's you, like you with really alcohol withdrawal, though you can. Right, like with alcohol, I just want yes. to say this. Uh, with alcohol withdrawal, you can die from those. Yeah. Right, right. You can alcohol die from, and benzos, mm-hmm. you, can do, you, you have seizures and convulsions and, and those kinds mm-hmm. of things. All right, so you just, you, you're stealing and you're... And, and are you living at home or are you living out with friends or on your own? At, are you talking about at that time? Yes, at that time. Or, at that time, yes, I was living on my own. I was living... Uh, Let's see. Are you are you talking about the very first time that I went to a treatment, which was I mean it was just like that twenty one day program. It was just a little well, twelve step program. I kind of want to get get us to the point where you want you go to the first one if we can. Like so, we're setting it up where yeah. you're stealing from your family. Are you living with your family then, or are you in college? Uh, I, yeah, I was living. Uh, I was in college then, but I was living uh, at a. It, I guess you could technically say I was living with my family, but it was in a separate house. Like we we had two two houses on our on our property, oh, and okay. I lived in the right. the smaller house. So I mean, technically, if you want to say yes, I was living with my family, but I was living on my own. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, so how do you yeah, get to, to your first, first rehab? How do you get to your first rehab? Um, the first time I had ever went to one, it was more I wasn't ready. I, I wasn't. It was it was nothing to where you know I decided that I needed help. I went there because I had gotten in trouble with the law a second time for a DUI, and I needed to do something to show show the courts that I was trying to change. Mm-hmm. And I went to a twelve step program um, here in in my area that was called Magnolia Ridge, um, and it was it's a twenty eight day program which. <laughs> Is is nowhere near long enough to go, you know, to do anything. And I was only there for 21 days. They they let me out a week early because I told them I was ready, and they thought I mm-hmm. was. Mhm. And and what was that all 12 step based there? Yes, it was completely uh, 12 step based. Mhm. Yeah, you might have had a different experience, or maybe it wasn't. But um, so that place wasn't bad. But you didn't. Uh, remember we talked about this. So it's like, well, you weren't ready. And I was like, well, maybe if somebody gave you others the tools. And talk to you in a different way, you would have seen things true. differently. You know, Very I like true. to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're talking to a young person who they're going to tell you you can never drink again, that you're broken, that you, you know, and, and, and what, I, what I've been hearing is people who their drug of choice is opium or it's um, the pills or even he- heroin, that they can actually drink. Um, it's not. It's not their choice. They drink one beer, you know, they're not. Right. There's certainly you can't call somebody an alcoholic, like they're lumping it all together. I sort of certainly don't believe that anymore. But let's go on back with you. So you go there, it doesn't work. What happens next? Um, you know, I kind of manipulated my way out of that program. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of years, you know, I, I know we we don't have a whole lot of time, so I'll kind of give the cliff notes version. Um, a couple of years go by, I or a, a, about a year goes by, and um, I failed another drug test. I was on probation at the time. And I got in trouble again with the law. I was looking at a, um, I was looking at going to jail for a year, and you know my family was scared. And and at that time I was getting to the point where I was like, you know what, I, I really do need to change. The the things are obviously my my life. You know I went from a, you know top ten of my class in high school, uh, captain of the football team, that kind of stuff, with a mm-hmm. full ride uh, scholarship to college, uh, to you know, to can't hold a job, didn't finish college, you know, well, I'm, I'm a, a needle-using drug addict, and I, I knew, like, things just needed to change. 
Right. And uh, my my family found this place that's called U Turn for Christ. Um, mm-hmm. There is a it's a faith based program, um, and it is a eight month program. Uh, it's it's there's a lot of them around the world, and I think there's twelve of them in the U S. Um, there's like one in New Jersey. There's one in Texas. There's one here in Tennessee. There's one out in California. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember where all they are, but uh, it's, it's called U-Turn for Christ. And, and there was but, one that was only about an hour away from where I live, and, and I went there. And so what happened there? What was different about that place? Oh, man. Uh, you know, and, and I don't want to speak bad about U-Turn as a whole. Um, I'm sure for uh, some of them, the, the differences, the differences in, in the way each program is ran could make all the differences in the world. But at this one, they called it the camp for the knuckleheads, and that's where they sent, like, the worst of the worst. And that's not necessarily, like, why I got sent there. It just happened to be because it was close to home and it was cheaper. It's only, uh, like, $800 for the first two months. Um, But it is a... It's it's a faith based pro- program, but they they focus. There's not really like a, a curriculum, like you know, you sit down and you work through your problems, and you work with like a counselor or anything. You know, mm-hmm. there there's a set schedule, and you work all day long, and they it's it's almost like slave driving. You know, they 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 force you to work for for this from this amount of time to this amount of time, and and you know, the pastor had it uh, had us going to his house and doing like construction on his house free of charge. Whoa, and, that's you know, called indentured time, servitude. Whoa, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm listening. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and uh, there there was all kinds of just, just weird stuff that was going on while I was there. I, you know, I was there to, to try to make people happy and, and to see see what might happen for me. And, and it, a lot of the ways they do, uh, as, as far as I'm concerned, the, you know, a lot of a lot of people who go through addiction and a lot of people who go through that kind of stuff, they they have lost the connection with love. Mm-hmm. And and they, they can't see that anymore. And these people almost try to beat you into submission. They don't show you any love. They're they're just like, you know, you're you're an addict, you're you know, if if you for instance, if you smoke a cigarette, which is something that is against their rules, if you mm-hmm. smoke a cigarette, you have to dig a hole. You have to wow. dig a hole in the ground. In Why? the middle of East Tennessee, which is limestone and shale rock that is five feet feet by five feet by five feet. Any anybody who's seen the movie with Shia LaBeouf holes, it's that kind of thing. I mean, you dig a hole that you can literally lay down in and bury yourself. Wow! And I dug three of I dug three of those in the 114 days that I was there. Um, it's mm-hmm. it, it's it's crazy, you know. There there's you know, and it did it did do some. It had some good. I don't want to speak completely bad about it, but there were a lot of a lot of living situations. The food that we ate, you know, the food was donated from a local grocery store that wasn't uh, was was about thirty minutes away. That was like meat that was like a day or two expired, and you know, we we paid all these things, and I was always curious as to where all the money went because they sure as heck didn't spend any on us. It doesn't, it doesn't look going. like there's anybody with any credentials on their website. There's nobody no, here with. No, they're, uh, they're not. You know, I, I don't know how the pastors and all that stuff become pastors, and the people who are in the leadership are people who came through the program. You know, they they wanted me to go into leadership at their program. After you're there for the first sixty days, 
you can sign a contract saying that you want to go into leadership and then you're like kind of in a leadership position above the people who are coming through the program. It's almost like a mentorship kind of thing, but we're talking we're talking guys who have been clean for, for no no more than sixty days who are leading guys who are, are just coming out of addiction. Like that's not it, it that's um, not even viable. Yeah, and these guys are you know, they're they're well, still they're they're still coming out of their manipulative mindset and and that might be their form of manipulation. I don't know. And you know, all these guys would want to be uh be the leadership and they're trying to tell me what to do and tell me how to live my life when I'm like, dude, you've been clean for two months longer than I have. How can you tell me you know, I want somebody who's been clean for a few years and they can give me some guidance, not you. It, it was mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit insane how they've got that place set up. That's really so. Uh, that's really bad. So I think we that's all coming back to me. So this place was not a good place. This place had no tools and techniques for how to deal with any kind of addiction. Correct? No, it, it, it's really not. I mean, you, you know, we we went to two Bible studies and sermons and to all different kinds of stuff every week, and we worked all week long, and then. That was pretty much the gist of, of their idea on how to change, you know, replace it with God. And that is that that does have some stance, but not the way they're doing it. They, you know, they they were not giving you any tools or giving you any idea on how to replace drugs with with God or 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 you know whatever. And they were just saying that this is what you got to do, you know, accept it and submit. They weren't telling me how to do it; just that I needed to do it. Wow, and so, and do they get where do they get their money? Do they get money from the government? I don't know if they get any money from the government. They, um, it's a donation. You know, when they when you when you call one of these programs, I, I don't know how all the other ones work, but as far as the one in Greenville works, for the eight hundred dollars, they don't even call it you know an eight hundred dollars uh, entry fee. It's a eight hundred dollar donation. So mm. you have to pay eight hundred dollars for the first two months, and it's a donation. It's just a required donation. Um, and then down in Greenville, they had several different thrift stores that they that they ran. That all the stuff that they got for these thrift stores were donated. So everything, all the income that they had, was, you know, it was all donated. Right, and, right. Well, you know, how long I, were you I there really again? I think we talked about it. it. Was like thirty, forty days you were there? Oh no, no, I was there for one hundred and fourteen days. I remember oh, every wow. minute of every. Day. Oh, yeah, I was God, there for almost four months. Wow. So what happens that gets you to leave? Oh, man. <laughs> the, me leaving there was, uh, I, I left on a very, a very angry, in a very angry state. Um, I got into the second phase program of it. I was supposed to be there for eight months. I had been there for almost four. And, horrible. you know, they, it was, you have no idea. Um, yeah. they were instituting all these different rules and all this, you know, all this crazy stuff had been going on. And, uh, they, you know, one of the things that, that they do there, you have no communication with your family other than letters for the whole time. Oh. You're in the first 60 days. There's mm-hmm. no phones. There's, there's nothing like that. When you get into a second phase program, you can have a phone, but you can't, uh, <laughs> you can't call anybody but your family or otherwise deemed um, uh, approved people in the, mm. in their eyes. You know, there's no girlfriends. You can't call. Uh, you can't call 
any any girl if for the guys you can't call any girls that you've been interested in or anything like that. It's only wives or family. That's the uh, that's the only way it works. And uh, you know, I had a girl that I was was very serious with. I'd been with for three years, and I hadn't got to talk to her for two months. So I uh, I got my phone. <laughs> you know, it was against the rules, but I had my phone and I was hiding it. And mm-hmm. that's against the rules. And when you break that rule. That's not just considered a you know a little thing where you got to dig a hole and they take your phone from you. That's considered a restart. So they mm-hmm. make you restart the program, and mm-hmm. I wasn't about to do that. <laughs> so long story short, I got caught with my phone, and I just at that point I had my car. I was working, uh, but I was coming back to the ranch. It's more or less the second phase program. It's kind of like a transitional type thing, but it's for six months, and it's a lot more heavy-duty than transitional. Uh-huh. And I, uh, you know, when they found my phone, I pretty much to hell with you and left. <laughs> right. Well, that's good. I mean, it sounds like a really horrible place. I mean, I'm sorry you were there even mm-hmm. that long, and it's, what they're doing there is illegal indentured servitude. I mean, this is a lot of people who've gone through there. You people are, are all adults. I mean, I, this sounds like one of those horrible, scared, straight but programs you know, for underage children. There were... Yeah, it, it's sad. There's some guys that were there. Uh, there was this one guy there from, from South Carolina. I won't mention his name or anything, but, you know, he was an older guy. He was probably in his in his 50s, 40s or 50s, probably 50s or 60s. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, he had, been, he had been in and out of that program for years, and, you know, he was addicted to crack and that kind of thing, and he was just beat down. You could tell that he just it, – it's like you could look in his eyes and see that he didn't have a soul left. Mm-hmm. And – and it, it was just sad to see them be so hard on him. And, you know, one of, one of the discipline things they had, this, I'm sure a lot of people listening will get a crack out of this, it's called word fast. Um, if you said a curse word or you said something that the leadership didn't like, they mm-hmm. put a construction vest on you and made you go on what was called word fast. And that's where you were not allowed to talk to anyone and no one was allowed to talk to you. And this could go on for a week. Oh my God! Yeah, and they have way too I mean, many places. I mean, they—I should have made this. I, I just can't because I—I I had to shorten the show because I've been away and I have to—I have like so much work that I had to catch up on. But I, I saw their locations. There's like way too many. This place mm-hmm. is gonna be like shut down. This is like. But anyway, let's go back. So you leave there, and you where do you go? Okay, next? yeah. Well, since we only have a few more minutes, uh, I left there. You know, I, I had—I literally just got back like a week ago tonight, actually, from a place out in Minnesota. It is a brand new place. This place just happened. Uh, it's just opened. It's called Redemption House. It's another faith space. Me, I'm a Christian. I, I have faith, you know, back in when I grew up. I grew up with Christ. I grew up saved, that kind of thing. And, and mm-hmm. this place out there, they if anyone has gotten it right as far as a faith-based program goes, it's Redemption House. There is a curriculum. They teach you about idolization and, and what drugs do for you and what they give you and how to change that focus from those drugs to Christ and what Christ can give you. And, I mean, I knew what Christ could give me and I knew what, but I lost that. And I went out to U-Turn, or I'm sorry, to uh, Redemption House, and, and that place was just, I mean, it saved my life. It really did. This, this first week that I've been home, you know, the first couple of weeks from leaving this other place, it, it didn't take but a few days for me to, to really at least, like, drink or smoke some weed or something to, to mm-hmm. you know, get a little bit of love. 
I have right. a small inclination of, of anything since I came home, and, and it's, it's been amazing. Well, and so what was some, I mean, did they do cognitive behavioral therapy, motivational interviewing? Did they have PhDs and, you know, what kind of people work there? Um, it's There's some biblical counseling. It's more of a, I wouldn't say it's a treatment per se. It's a sober mm-hmm. living environment where they teach you how to live with Christ. Um, it's a, a biblical counseling fake, uh, uh, focused program. Uh, CCES is what they follow. I'm, I'm not sure what that uh, what that stands for, but it's Ed Welch is the main founder of CCEF. It's a, he's a biblical counselor. He's got a, uh, you know, if anybody out there listening is want, wants to get an idea of, of how to change, there's a workbook that's called Crossroads. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just a workbook book that uh, Ed Welch wrote that, that is any anybody who's coming out of addiction. I mean, for me, when I started reading this workbook, it was almost like, you know, uh, I looked at somebody and said, I need help, and they handed me this book, and I opened it and started reading. And it, it step by step, there's like a non-step based thing. And, and it's not it's not like 12 steps of, of NA and A, because I've mm-hmm. been there, done that, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's a non-step thing that, that Ed Wealth goes through that it really helps you focus on the idolization of the heart and, and the way things work there. And that that was that's part of the curriculum out there that we that we went through. Mm-hmm. You have I'm trying to find the maybe the book online and let's see it. it just, we have 60 seconds left, so I'm going to have to stop and say thank you. At least we got sure. to the place that you got to that is good. Um, and I think that Matt, you know, although most of my listeners are not everybody's, you know, n- not into faith based, but most people have been so harmed by AA they don't want faith based programs, and yet there are. Uh, I, I would say a significant amount of people that do, and I think that those people, you know, whatever, you know, when they find it, if so, if you find something that works, and I would say, check back with me, like if you want to check back with me in three months, and see how I'm doing, sure. give me a call, tell me how you're doing, and maybe we could do a follow-up show, and then maybe have a longer show so that we can talk longer, because sure. this time just flies. It's just crazy how I think, oh, okay, 30 minutes is long. It's never long enough. So. I want yeah, to thank I you. I know. And, and I saw Yeah, we got to get to there. So I, I looked it up, yeah. and if you could send me to a link that maybe we can see, um, you know what these, you know what you're talking about, what these nine steps it's were. Redemption but I want to thank. Yeah. Okay. Is, is the website. Redemptionhouse.net. Okay. Thank you so much again, yeah. Matt Miller, for calling in. It's this is Monica Richardson for Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. Please like us on Facebook. And follow us and go into iTunes. You can listen free anytime. Download onto your phone or to your devices or computer, and we'll be back next week. And thanks again, Matt. We'll see you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.